Have you ever stopped to think how much Jesus has done for us? Have you thanked him recently? Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In this series, we'll be looking at some of what Jesus has done for us, and we hope that each week our heart is stirred with so much gratitude and we find ourselves thanking Jesus for all he's done. This gratitude will lead us to living the best life he wants for us. We hope you will join us in saying, Jesus, thank you, and enjoy the series. Amen. Let's give it up for our worship team today. I love that melody of songs that they did earlier. That was awesome. Hey, um, happy Easter. More importantly, happy Resurrection Day. Uh, If you don't know me, I'm Rob Denton, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at West Valley Christian Church, and I get to serve along an amazing team. And so uh, praise God for that. Thank you for trusting us with your morning. Um, I want to go real spiritual right out the gate, okay? Um, Driving over here, you know, Easter morning, you know, you're probably thinking pastors probably got some good praise music going on in the back, and he's dialed in to what's happening. No, I had sports talk radio on. I heard heard that Tiger Woods got, uh, you know, out of the masters, he had the injured foot. But then, but then, hold on to your seats. I'm giving you some material for later when you're with friends and family. Jelly beans. <laughs> yep, jelly beans. You may want to pull out your phone and uh, take some of this down. But I heard there was a survey, this guy, because it was on Sports Talk Radio, it means it's true. There was a survey across America, what are the top five flavors of jelly beans? So on the count of three, let let me give you a second here to process, think it through. Then on the count of three, I just want you to yell out what you think the number one is. All right, ready? One, two, three. I didn't hear the right answer. (laughs) So so here's me. (laughs) I can't remember number five. I know you type eight people, that's going to drive you nuts. Number four is cherry. All right, that's fair. Number three, cinnamon. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You guys aren't even going to come close to guessing two and one. Two, and I can't even think about this in my mouth. I would spit it out in a second, black licorice. Okay, let me just say, everyone that clapped was over 65 years of age, and uh, (laughs) there's my Easter sermon, right? Uh, Number one, number one, you just said it, Brenda, it's buttered popcorn. Yeah, exactly, like that's almost as bad as peeps, like Do popcorn or do jelly beans don't do them together? Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right. All right, let's pray and have a great Easter. You done? (laughs) Um, On to serious. Some of you are like, that is serious. Um, I came up here at the very beginning of the year, and we always have a theme for our church, and our theme this year is anchored. And, you know, I think there's a lot going on in this world. There's always been a lot going on in this world, but, you know, there's a lot of different stuff. And so I just felt like 2023 for our church that we needed to um, focus on being anchored to Jesus Christ. And I say that to all of you here, and then um, I'm just now remembering that we've got an audience online 
uh, uh, second service here today. So hi to all of you, and uh, God bless you. Hoping you're having a great uh, Easter. But um, anchored is really important. And I know for some of you, that's like, ah, I don't know what, I don't agree, Pastor. But you're here, and you're sitting in purple chairs. So I get to share with you, like, a little bit of that journey. Um, we've, we've talked about being anchored to God's Word. We talked about anchored to Jesus. We talked about all sorts of different things. But we started a brand new series um, three weeks ago, which we're concluding here today, called Jesus Thank You. And so it's really been a series that's been helping us to be anchored to gratitude. And so if I were to ask you, you know, what are you thankful for, which I've asked every time throughout this series, you know, what are you thankful for? I think, um, I think even though life can be hard, I still believe that there's a lot of things we could be thankful for. Amen? And, and, and that doesn't negate the fact that things are hard or maybe things aren't going the way that we want them to. But the truth is, if we could just pause for a moment, I think we have a lot to be thankful for. And then in the church, and not because I'm the pastor, because I believe this wholeheartedly, and that's why I do what I do. But I'm, I'm thankful for Jesus. And, and, and I'm really thankful for a lot of things that um, have been brought to my attention uh, recently as we've walked through this series. So, you know, you can always go online and catch up. We've got, you know, probably a couple of years uh, catalog there of messages. But um, I want to I catch you up because I know some people, maybe this is your first time at, at church ever, and I want you to catch up a little bit with just why we think uh, we could be uh, thankful for Jesus. So the very first week, I, I, I read a passage in John chapter 14, uh, which is one of the gospels uh, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament. And we learned that Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Like, like all of us could get that, Amen. Like, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then we delved into that, and he said, man, I am going to, he didn't say man, I'm, but anyways. He says, I'm going to give you, <laughs> sorry, Lord, um, I'm going to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And so I'm not, gonna, I'm not promising to take away the heart in your life, but you can have peace in the midst of the heart. That's what we learned in that. And then, and then later on that passage, he says, by the way, I'm going to, you know, do this this." I'm going to die and, and, and raise again. I, I just kind of give you a, a little hint where this message is going, if you didn't know. Um, but, but I'm going to come back. But, but right now, I'm up in heaven preparing a place for you, a room for you. So we talk, not only can we have peace here on this earth right now, but we could have eternal peace in heaven. That's pretty good. So then, so I say, Jesus, thank you. And then, and then, and then the next week, uh, we looked at John chapter 17, and we learned that, yeah, Jesus prays. We know in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, he says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his place, and went to a solitary place where there he prayed. Okay, so we know Jesus uh, uh, saw prayer and communication with his father, important. But one of the things that was new for me, being in ministry for over 30 years, is I knew the the, the prayer in John 17, but I never knew, this is towards the end of Jesus' life, I never knew specifically how it was for me. Like Jesus prayed for me, and Jesus prayed for you. And we, we, we unpackaged that, and we looked at it, and, and, and there's two things in the prayer that really stood out to me. One is that he prayed that we would know God the Father, and then secondly, before he knows he's going to the cross, he prayed, and this is the one that got me. He said, you know, Father, when I've been here on earth, I've, I've, I've kept them safe and protected. God, continue to protect them. 
And so I think that's pretty cool that Jesus prayed for you and I and those of you that are online watching the same truth. He prayed for our protection. I think that's pretty cool. Jesus, thank you. Pastor John, last week, he took us through the cross. Uh, we, we read about the cross and, 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 and just all the accusations that were false. Uh, we learned about um, the prayer and the abandonment. We, we learned about uh, the carrying of the cross. We learned about all the flogging, all that kind of, the, uh, the messiness of the cross. And then Friday night, we had a Good Friday service, and I spoke on why is Good Friday good? Because I'm thinking from like, that's, that stinks, actually. Jesus died a horrific death. What's good about that? And so we, we unpackage that. Again, you can listen to that. But here's, here's what I want to do for this message today is we were left at the cross. But I want us to go from what happened after Jesus' final words to today. Father, help me to do justice to your words. God, help me to stick to the good news. Help me to stick to your words, your thoughts. Help me, Lord, in my weakness to communicate in your strength. Open our hearts to what it is you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So right at the very end, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and some of his final words, it's not, it's not his final words, but just right before his final words, in John 19, uh, chapter, chapter 19, verse 30, it says this, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And again, I don't expect you to catch up because, um, you know, <laughs> you may not have been living there, but there's a lot that has gone on on to this point, up to this point. And Jesus says, it's finished. What I came to do is done. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So if you're taking notes, uh, there's three points uh, today's message. The first point that I want to look at is the death and the burial. Okay, so, so uh, here we are. We just see these final words. Now we're going to go to John chapter 19. And I, I'm going to shoot straight with you. It, it may be right. It may be wrong. Now I sound like Billy Joel, right? You may be crazy. Anyways, um, squirrel. For preachers, Easter messages and Christmas messages are the hardest. And, and, and you know whose fault it is? It's our fault. Because um, we try and be creative, and we try to think outside the box, and we try and be new and hip and all that kind of stuff. And so I wrestled with that for many years of preaching. And then about, I don't know, five, seven years ago, I just finally said, you know what? When it comes to Easter and when it comes to Christmas, I'm preaching the story. I'm preaching the story. Because first of all, there's a lot of people that come only on Christmas and Easter and need to be reminded of the story. But I need to be reminded of the story. So we're, gonna, we're just going to read the story a little bit, and then I'm going to give some thoughts on that, all right? So I'm going to invite you into the story. Jesus says it is finished. Then in John chapter 19, verse 38, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. 
He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who was earlier who had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds worth. (laughs) Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance to the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of the preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Now, I would like to pause and say you can only imagine the shock, the confusion, the heartache that everyone was experiencing at this point that loved this man. Even those that didn't love this man, there still had to be shock. There still had to be confusion because because everyone talked about this guy. And so now we're told that his body is taken off the cross and a couple of guys prepare his body according to Jewish custom and place them into this tomb. Now here's here's something that... um, that's special for me. You know, many years ago, uh, my wife and I were able to go with other pastors and wives to Israel. And so we went to this, what they think is Jesus' final, quote unquote, resting place, this tomb. Now, to be honest, whether it was really the tomb where Jesus was laid or not, it's still jaw-dropping. It's still humbling. And to think how simple it is, you know, here's the son of God, and it's really just a simple garden, a uh, simple um, cave, I would call it a cave, a really small cave, tomb. But the idea of this rock, like there was no hydraulics, <laughs> there was no button to push and you just watch it kind of, right? The fact that the tomb, the stone had been rolled away is fascinating. Early in the first day, uh, or John chapter 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Jerry, Ma- Jerry Magdalene. That is funny. Church, you're going to have to pray. I got another one of these. I'm going to be doing third service. Who knows? That might be Jerry Maguire by then. Jerry Magdalene? Woo! Mary, Jerry's sister. Magdalene, wow, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Like, think about that if you're Mary. It's got to be crazy. And the best way for me to even comprehend this is if, if, if you have a loved one and you've, you've entrusted them with a, with a, um, a mortuary and, and you leave the body and then you come back and the body's not there, you're, you're going to flip. You're going to freak. I mean, that's the best way I could even comprehend this. Mary's like, this, this, is, this, is, this has not been a good 24 hours. And then you go on reading. So Peter and the other disciples started uh, for the tomb. Both were running. But after the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, he bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb because that's what Peter does. 
He does without thinking. We know he's slow because <laughs> he was second, but he just went. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back where they were staying. Church, I hope you're living this story right now. I hope you're coming alongside of this. And I know it's hard to to know the emotion of exactly what's going on, but these guys spent their life, the last three years of their life with Jesus. They've seen him crucified. He's gone. They know he's he's in the tomb, but now he's not. I, I can't imagine what was going on in their hearts and their minds. Then in John chapter 20, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Of course she's crying. Of course she's crying. And she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated with Jesus' body, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Well, thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him. I will go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried in Aramaic, Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, she told them. I have seen the Lord. And in other passages it says, he is, he is, he is. You see, death could not keep him down. You see, men and women, I'll give it to the men, are the ones that put them on the cross. They were the ones that were insecure. They were the ones that were fearful. They were the ones that didn't understand. They were the ones that were arrogant. They were the ones that weren't willing to see what was really happening. They're the ones that put them on the cross. They're the ones that did this flogging and this mockery of him. But death could not keep him down. Did you catch that? Now, you can sit here and go, I'll check that box. I came because grandma told me to come to church today. Well, I'm glad that you came because grandma told you to come to church today. That's awesome. But you might as well listen since you're here. Amen. Or maybe your neighbor, or maybe, or maybe you've been a Christ follower for so long, but life has gotten really hard for you. God has you here for a reason. It's not bunny ears. And it's not to even find out what the top flavors are of jelly beans, although that's kind of cool information. But this is where, this is where we land. This is where we land. This is the good news. This is the gospel. We call it the life of Jesus 
The death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. You see, if we, if we didn't have Friday, we couldn't have Sunday. But praise God we have Sunday and we're not stuck on Friday on the cross. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a Sunday. Are you with me? We wouldn't have reason to live, which leads me to the second point of today's message. He is alive. Can you say that with me? He is alive. Can you say it again? He is alive. You see, Acts chapter 2, verse 24 says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible. It was impossible for death to hold on to him. It was impossible for death to hold on to him. Now, you and I were like, that doesn't make sense. Two plus two. We, we look at it at a logical standpoint. Our brain, the Bible says this, by the way, to give you some insight. Our thoughts aren't God's thoughts. <laughs> Praise God for that. <laughs> Welcome to my brain. You'd be in trouble. And I'd be in trouble in yours too, by the way. Right? But our, we don't think like God does. And where we think something's impossible, God says it's not impossible. And so, yeah, you think you could hang him on the cross? You think you could lacerate his side? You can see blood come out? You can verify his death? But you're not God. God can make that which is dead come alive. Are you with me? So, he is alive. Peter says it is impossible for death to keep a hold on him. Luke 18, 27 says what is impossible with man is possible with God. First John says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Do you see a common theme? We have to trust in the almighty who created us in his image. And let me remind you that he loves you to death. The death of his son. He loves you to death. So, where you and I can't, God can. And I know this is hard. Because in a room with this many people, and this many people watching online, and, and, and later on in the week, here's the reality. I know this. I know there's pain in this room. I know there's suffering in this room. I know there's heartache in this room. I know there's struggle in this room. Because life can be hard, amen? Life can be unfair, amen? And even this week, I had someone talking to me going, you know, I, I just said I ain't doing church anymore. Because God just wasn't showing up the way I asked him to show up. Did you, you see that? We've all been probably guilty of that. It's like, well, you know, if you exist, then you're going to answer this, 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 and this. God exists whether he makes your checklist or not. You know, I've, I've said it many times. You know, whether we believe in God doesn't mean he comes in and out of reality. He is because he is, whether Rob Denton believes he is or not. It's just a truth. Now, here's what, what you guys know me well enough. I, I hate that you have pain. I hate that you have hurt. I hate that you have struggles. I hate that you have shame. I hate that you have guilt. And I hate it in my own life. I hate it. I hate it. And for whatever reason, maybe it was because Easter, maybe there's spiritual, but I don't know. I heard a lot of pain this week. But you know what keeps me going? Because I can't help everybody. I can't fix everybody. I can't heal everybody. Keeps me going is the truth of God's word. Death could not keep him down. Now, here's the problem. Well, 
God's not answering my prayers the way I want him to. I, that sucks. And I'm sorry. And that's hard. But you know what? If God healed every disease and saved you know, every person from a drunk driver and every, you know, everything that we would put in the category of suffering, if he fixed all of that, there'd be no death, right? Because everybody would be healed. But then there'd be no free will, right? There'd be no free will because he's going and fixing all the dumb things that we decide to do. So the thing that's amazing about our God is he gave us free will. But with that comes not only... Um, the suffering part, you know, the consequences. But you know the positive part is? This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. And we hope to experience peace on this earth. We hope to experience hope on this earth and joy. And I believe we will and do. But we're not, we can't expect the perfect life. Does that make sense? God loves you. God loves me even though I've screwed up. And God hates it when I'm in pain. I'm going to probably get in trouble, but this, both my boys know I love them to death. Um, for whatever reason, the fear gene missed both of my boys. <laughs> like, yeah. And um, so Easton. Easton, Easton had a tough week. Easton um, is playing uh, high school baseball, and he's one of the smaller guys on the team, and they put him in the position where you put the biggest kid, and that's first base. You always put the big, the big kid. And um, he's, he's doing phenomenal there. Four games this week, and I'm going to run through this as fast as I can. But Easton doesn't know any better, and I'm not saying anything new to him as he sits here. He just, he's got his bigger brother, so he thinks he could take on the world, right? And, and he will and does. But I do think there needs to be a little bit of fear. Um, so I wasn't there at a game on Monday, but a kid's running, you know, down that, that 90 feet to first base. Kid's probably a little over 200 pounds, 6'3", and just bad throw to first, and Easton steps in front of him, and the guy plows him like a truck. Easton goes flipping in the air, hits his head, and is laying there. Trainer comes running out and, and coach and all that kind of stuff. And in typical Easton fashion, I'm fine, <laughs> you know? So he, he plays the rest of the game. Next game I'm at... Guys run into first. They, they have metal cleats in baseball, in, in high school baseball. Guy <laughs> running, boom, right on top of Easton's foot. And so that night, I'm looking at his foot. He's got a good old cleat mark on his foot. So he's kind of like this around the house, right? I'm fine. Um, yesterday, we have a game out in Camarillo, and uh, he shouldn't play. His neck's thrashed from, you know, but he's going to play, right? I think it was the first inning. Bad throw to first. He cuts over. Guy runs right through him, hits him, Easton spins, glove goes flying. Um, trainer wants to go check on him, and, and I'm not going to get into all the details. Next inning, he's on first base, balls hit out to outfield, he rounds second, he's going to third, coach tells him to go, and he knows he's going to, he's hung out dry, so he dives head first, and he hits up short, cranks his neck. I, he's just a walking mess. The whole time the trainer's like, can I go talk to him? Can I go talk to him? Finally, after the game, you know, think he fractured his pinky. We think this, you know, she's lame and all. So we're going to go meet um, some friends uh, for, dinner, or for lunch. And I'm driving and I look in the mirror and there's crocodile tears coming out. So he, Eason doesn't cry. He's got a high pain threshold. Um, find out his head's just on fire and his body's hurt. So we pull over. Lisa goes into the market to get Advil. And I don't normally do this, but I, I climbed in the back seat. 
And normally my son wouldn't let me do this. But I just held him. And he's just in so much pain. And you know, as a dad or as a parent, my prayer is, God, transfer that pain to me right now. I'll take it. Right? I see heads nodding. Give me that pain. I've not seen my son like this, if ever. And I start rubbing the temples, and he says, man, it's starting to feel a little bit better, thanks, and this and that. And he's letting me hold them. I share all that to say this. That's what this is all about today. Dad sees we're in the back seat filled with all kinds of pain. And he jumps in the back seat with us. And he puts his arm around us. And he says, I love you. And he says, I want to take your pain. And I'll take it on the cross. And that's what he did. My dumb decisions, my sin, my mistakes. He doesn't want me sitting in the back seat living in shame and guilt. He doesn't want you sitting in the back seat living in shame and guilt. Amen? He came alongside us on the cross and said, let's transfer that pain from one person to the other. And the only thing that you and I could do is say, thank you, Jesus. I praise God that Easton didn't say, no, Dad, get back in the front seat. I'm good. But how many times are we sitting there in pain, and we're saying, Jesus is coming right next to us. We're like, no, I'm good. You go back in the front seat. I got this. And we don't. Stop kicking them out of your life. Let them show up. Let them come into your life. What's the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to you by allowing Jesus in your life for a season? He conquered death because he loves you. That leads me to the last and final point. And it's actually not a point, it's a question. I am alive. I am alive. Now, now, you need to ask that. I am alive. Yes? No. I mean, I mean that, that, that's for you. Or you can say, am I alive? Or am I living in the back seat by myself with all this pain all curled up with hopelessness? Shame and guilt. See, what I want, and more importantly than what I want, is Jesus wants you to live life. Matter of fact, John 10, 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it to the full, or life and have it abundantly. And what I think of is Matthew chapter 7, and and Jesus says this, there's two roads, and one road leads to destruction, and many will find it. And then he says, narrow is the road that leads to life, or eternal life, and very few find it. And this simply tells me, you and I got a choice. We have a choice. You could come in the back seat with me or you stay over there. And he's not going to come unless you ask him to. I wish he'd jam himself in some of our lives. But he's going to give us the choice. Amen? So what's your choice? Are you going to say yes? Are you saying yes? Are you living life? So you guys know I just got back from Cambodia as I close here. Uh, Cambodia a couple weeks ago. I went out there with another pastor. We taught 150 leaders uh, through a translator because 
I don't know that language. It was an amazing experience. I shared a little bit with you guys. Um, but I want to share this as we close because the cross changes lives. And there's a picture right here at the end of teaching the, 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 the week-long um, leadership conference. They presented me with this cross. It's an amazing cross. It's a heavy cross. It's made out of local wood from a, a, a strong, very strong palm tree. And it's beautiful. But um, I, I did something I've never done. I've been given gifts at other countries and stuff for stuff. But, but I was so impacted by all the breakfast, lunch, and dinners I was having with six to eight people and the translator. And just hearing these stories of uh, the Camerouge, you know, you guys know the, may or may not know the history there and the civil war I talked about. And, and a third of the country was killed and it was basically they were killing each other. And Viet Cong was involved with the Camerouge and China. And, and it's just ugly. And the pastor that I know, um, uh, that I went to Bible college with, is from there. He, he survived the refugee camps. I hope to have him here and he could tell his stories. It's unbelievable. But basically, the Cameroon's people, they killed all these innocent people and put them in refuge camps. And, 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 and I'd be sitting at breakfast and half the table would be leaders of this evil army and then, and then people that, 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 that were in the refugee camps as children and saw all their family members die and their friends die and they survived. And it was kind of, it was surreal to try and figure out how this happens, you know, and they were all nice to each other. And I told you about M. Chen that was um, put on trial by the United Nations. She's about four foot five and maybe 75, put, 75 pounds wet. wet. She, she was put on trial for, I think, overseeing like 250,000 deaths. She wasn't found guilty, but here, she tells her story about giving her life to Christ. So all these people, their lives had been turned upside down and inside out. They let Jesus into the back seat. I had them autograph the cross. This is just packed with names of leaders that's lives have been changed in Cambodia. And so you'll see them signing it. And then you see the next picture. That, that's that's uh, M. Chen's signature there. And then the next picture. That's a signature of a guy. His name, he was introduced to me as the assassin. And the next picture, you'll see he's one of those guys. And it's not the guy on the far right. I'll tell you that. But uh, I don't want to tell you, point out exactly. But he's got half of a foot stepping on landmines. He's got something tattooed pretty evil across his forehead. But he told me his testimony of a changed life. The simple point is this. If you want your life changed, come to Christ. It doesn't matter how long your list of sins is. Now, the consequences Jesus doesn't take care of. But he will give you forgiveness and grace. Amen? Let me close with a little video here. He just said, you're listening to Pastor Rob. He never knows anything what he's talking about. He's the craziest pastor in America. That's what he just said. Actually, what it is, that's a, a young man whose life uh, was given to, he gave it to the Lord. He lives in the northeast part of Cambodia. Cambodia's third world country, but that northeast part is even further, further behind in time. They still do animal sacrifices in the village. They do all kinds of stuff that we've heard, only heard about, not, you know, um, seen but this guy's telling the story of how he's persecuted all the time by the local police and people for preaching the gospel. That guy got in a truck with about 30 other pastors, leaders, that fits probably about 10 people, but there's 30 of them just packed in it. 16 hours to come to the conference, 16 hours to go back home. Why? Because they're alive in Christ. 
Jesus changes lives. He changes lives in Cambodia and he changes lives here. Will you say yes to Jesus? Starting next week, five week series called Discover Life. I'd challenge you to come. It's the cliff note version of the New Testament of what it means to be a Christian. I'd love for you to come. If you've already made that commitment, learn in this or also bring a friend. Amen? Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for changed lives. Thank you for the hope that it brings. Thank you for the life that it brings. Thank you for the encouragement that it brings. I pray that every person here would accept you. Let, let, let you back into the backseat. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Yeah.